Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Heathens Podcast here, as always. Uh, my name is Melvin Lopez, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. And with me, <coughs> as always, is my buddy, uh, Corey Decker. Corey, how are you, man? I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are things over there in Arizona, bro? You're uh, melting already? Uh, yeah, it's luckily it's a, it's a dry heat, so that just means heat. I die. That just means I die quicker. Well, you know, <laughs> the thing is, when when somebody tells me a dry heat, I always remember that the the puppet, uh, the the Jeff Dunham puppet. But it's a dry heat, yeah. So it's a fire, and you don't see me jumping into one. <laughs> but I know we've been gone for a couple of weeks, uh, actually more like a couple of months, really. But you know, life just keeps happening, and we I am just grateful that we have this opportunity to talk some important stuff. And we are going to steer from uh, the social aspect that we have been talking about because. Because uh, we wanted to make a, uh, a a series of podcasts that talk about the beginning. Um, we have all seen, and if you have not seen the uh, web telescope images, Corey, I, I don't know if you've seen them. These things are just dirt. Google them and look at them because you're going to be amazed. Like you're going to be amazed. It's, it's a beautiful sight. We live in a huge universe. We live. And, and, and to me, Corey, I don't know what, what these images told you. They just cement how little I know. Like the, the, the deeper those pictures got, the less my knowledge, go, the more my knowledge goes down. What, what did you think when you saw these amazing pictures and these amazing uh, photographs that these, uh, this telescope uh, was able to take? Honestly, I just started hearing Leonard Nimoy and the <laughs> Star Trek open yeah. because that's that's where I'm at. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really have a ton of deep thoughts about it, just other than it was beautiful pictures and of course Leonard Nimoy with the space. The uh, yeah, you know, frontier. the final frontier. Yeah. <laughs> that was a pretty good. That was a pretty basic Leonard Nimoy there. But yeah. um, Corey, let's go ahead and get started with what we're going to talk about today, my man, because I wanted to address this because when I saw this these pictures and these uh these these you know when something gets discovered all of facebook starts talking oh that's god doing this oh that's this doing that and then you know here we go with the with the eternal christians over here and scientists over here just blip 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 and I, I just realized I need we need we need to talk about these things because a lot of people say science and the thought of a religious concept as 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 being apart. And I personally, I believe that I obviously I am a Christian, so that means I believe in God. I believe in a creator. I believe in an intelligent being creating this universe. But that's about as far as I can take you for sure. Corey, I don't know about you, but I wanted to start this this broadcast but by telling our, our listeners why I'm, I, I wanted to, to give you a chance, Corey, so that our listeners can 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 get to know your your thoughts a little bit. Do you believe that there is an intelligent creator out there? And why do you believe that there is intelli an intelligent creator out there that said, let there be light? And there it was. Go ahead, my friend, so, so our listeners can, can, can get to know you. I say I do uh, wholeheartedly. Um, I actually found this quote in research for this episode from an academic. Uh, NationalAcademies.org said that science is not the only way of understanding, 
science and religion are based on different aspects of the human experience. Science is based on the natural world, scientific observations or experiments that conflict must lead to modification or even abandonment of the original explanation. And I take that and I just look at the the different ways that nature interacts with with one another, you know, photosynthesis for for some flowers, you know, the the fact that we could use natural things to cure, you know, just terrible illnesses and you know, living where I do, you know, to me, when you go to places like the Grand Canyon, you just, it looks painted. It just, it just looks beautiful, designed. And when you think about how we as humans interact with the world, it seems like there's way too many coincidences for there not to be an author behind all of those coincidences. You're you're sticking okay, um, and well, that's that's a good explanation. Obviously, there's it's your belief, obviously, right? And right. we're not going to convince you either. Uh, we're not here to 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 say you're right or you're wrong. We're just here to talk, right? And and that's yeah. what we need to do more in churches and everything. Um, my personal belief is that I yes, I do believe in a creator. I do believe that there is a being out there that uh, we know very little about, whom we know very little. Uh, very, very little um, that I believe in, in a creator. I believe in, in God. I believe in, in, uh, in, in a creator. But for reasons that are going to become apparent at the end of the podcast, I'm not going to be I'm going to say I believe in creation. But this uh, this I believe in creation is going to mean something different by the end of the podcast because for the same reasons of you Corey, I, I i adopt something called the anthropic principle um the anthropic principle is it's 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 been very overused by many people the anthropic principle it, it simply states that it's the hypothesis that there's a restrictive lower bound on how statistically probable our observations of the universe are so kind of like what you say uh, you look at something and you're like, there's no way this happens by accident. Is that is that is that your belief? Like the sun coming yeah. up in the east every single day at the same time. The fact that our gravity is just strong enough to keep us, but but not uh, strong. If it were just a little stronger, it sucks us into a black hole. If it was a little weaker, it would just sink, send us flying. Those coincidences are too much for for me to ignore. They are the pretty much the reason I believe in 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 a creator, in an intelligent creator. I don't want to say intelligent design because that that brings a lot of baggage with it. But the reason I believe every single letter Darwinism says, and I believe every single letter that uh, that 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 we know about science. But I also believe that there's a creator out there because the chances of all this happening by by accident are very, very, very highly unlikely. So and and let, let me give you an example. In 1961, there's this there's this uh, there was this. Uh, this proponent, the scientist called Robert Dickey, and he hypothesized that the age of the universe itself is not coincidence. The universe started when it was supposed to start. Why? Because if the universe were a tenth of its age that it is right now, that would not be enough time to to 
for for the levels of metallicity that some of these elements need to exist in their form today there would not have been enough time that's like if the age of the universe according to to these scientists it's no coincidence. It's I don't know if it started when it was supposed to start. Now, if you, I believe that you know I believe in cause and effect and everything, but I believe in in in, the, in that concept of the anthropic principle. The intelligence of this world it's observable only through intelligence. So that's about as far as I am willing to go into a scientific discussion or a philosophical discussion. But what I wanted to do was look straight into the Book of Genesis and see what actually says in there and see if what actually says in there is what we are used to listening in church. Corey, give me a, a synthesis, please, of what we grew up listening to at church when it comes to creation. What are the basic points of Genesis 1 and 2? What did we grow up in church thinking about creation? Go ahead, tell me. I know the seven days, right? God started yeah. on Saturday, on, on Monday, or God started creating the earth on Saturday and he ended up on, 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 on the other Saturday and he rested on Sunday, right? That's what we grew up thinking. What else did we yeah. grow up? We grew up thinking that it took seven 24-hour periods. We grew up thinking that God said, let there be light and boom, there was light created right there out of nowhere. That's what we grew up. That's what I grew up thinking. Yeah. It was creation out of nowhere. God said, bloom. And like David Copperfield or David Blaine or whatever, but and it appeared just like that. That's why we grew up reading in Genesis chapter one. And a lot of it comes from a literal interpretation of what the Bible says. Corey, how many trouble how much how much trouble have you found yourself into by taking the what the Bible says literally? Like, is it a good idea? I mean to, to take everything the Bible says literally? Not everything. Not I everything. Think. Obviously, when the Bible says thou shalt not kill, that's literal. That's, yeah. a, that's different. I said like the red letter verses, you know, well, you might still get into trouble with some of the red letter verses because if you if you read the one about the king that gave that gave the talons and you go, oh, which king was that? You might not find an actual king. Yeah, that, that guy, that guy yeah. in red letters, he also used a lot of parables and allegory and yeah. metaphor. So even what that guy that spoke the red letters say can't always be taken literal. And that's part of our frustration sometimes because it would have been too easy, right, for him to say this, 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 boom. But that is not how a lot of the Bible is written, especially the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is ancient cosmology. Okay. Um, a lot of us have been told in church that the Bible was the only book being written. Do, do we, let me, add, let me, let me, do you, do you think the, the Bible was the only book being written back then? Let's just say conservatively, Moses, we, we were taught that Moses wrote this book of Genesis, right? Moses lived 1400 years BC. Okay. So, in, in 1400 year BC, was the Bible the only book being written back then? Only 1400, only 3400 years ago? Was the no, Bible the only book being written back then? Absolutely no, not. Moses was a, yeah, he was a part of a society. When you're Absolutely part of a society, not. There were many other, and stuff like that. there were many other cosmological ancient books being written. There were many, many, many others. Many other books were being written at the same time. 
um, I don't know if you have had the opportunity, but I invite you and our listeners to list to to research some of these Samaritan tablets and some of these Egyptian uh, cosmologies of how the world came to be and compare them to what the Bible that you hold in your hands right now says and look to see how similar they are, how similarly they are written. I'm talking grammatically here, Corey. I'm not talking about uh, I'm not talking about theologically, but grammatically all these ancient books are written the same way and they are heavy on metaphor they are heavy on allegory they are heavy on not being literal so from the get-go whomever takes genesis chapter one absolutely literally you're in trouble because that is not how the book is written that that, that is exact that is not how the book is written remember genesis was written for a specific audience genesis was not written for you and genesis was not written for me genesis was written for ancient uh first century hebrews okay G genesis was written for people who did not know where the sun went at night okay <laughs> these people thought the world was flat they were this book was written in very basic terms it was written how they understood the world, but they had very little understanding of the world because they looked up and they saw that the sky would have been a solid figure. They thought that the sky could literally fall on them. I'm not saying that they were dumb. I'm saying that's all they had. So we need to remember that when we are reading the book of Genesis, we are reading a book that was written for people who thought that were the world was flat when we read these books we also have to understand how they viewed existence Corey, let me ask you a question um yeah let me ask you a question do you see this pen right here yeah this pen exists right yeah okay you see it's material it, it's 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 materially existing right yeah. it, it's right in front of you does microsoft exist yes can you see it? Yeah, you go to the. But can you see it right now? Can you can you see Microsoft right now? No. No, you can't see Microsoft right now, but it exists because it's a different type of existence. All right. When the Hebrews viewed existence, they needed functionality to go with it. In other words, when the first century Hebrew person was reading these words of Genesis one one. They viewed existence as something functional. For example, if you don't use it, it don't exist. Okay, just like that treadmill that I got in the basement. All right, according to first century Hebrew thought, my treadmill does not exist because I don't use it. So this is written to people who view existence not materially, they view it functionally. They view it functionally. If, it, if I'm not using it, it does not exist. So the way they view existence is unless you are using this pen that I am showing you, it doesn't exist. Unless it has a purpose, unless this pen has a purpose, it doesn't exist. That's how people used to see existence back when these books were written. So, Corey, do you see how how different the audience is for this book versus the book that you read yesterday that was written to us. The, 
these yeah. people lived in a totally different world, man. The, 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 these people lived in something absolutely different. So when we talk about the concept of existence, okay, something existing, when we look at how the Hebrews thought and we look at how the Bible is written, we have to understand that the concept of existing has to do with functionality in their brain, in the brain of the original recipient of these books. All right. Now, am I saying that these books have to be relevant in their time that were written? Because if not, then they would have just tossed them. So we need to understand that the Hebrews don't see existence as materially they see it functionally do, 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 what do you think do what did i do do are you following my thoughts right now my friend because i don't want to lose yeah. anybody are you following my my thoughts that yeah you know in, in, in the hebrew world <coughs> unless you use it you pretty much lose it, it it's kind of like that <laughs> that was their their view of existing all right so well, when we look go ahead friend well, I said the the only the only part that I'm like kind of hung up on is if their definition of existing is functionality and using, and it's something they could see and touch and feel. How does that correlate with their belief in in God? Because you can't necessarily feel God. Correct. Touch it. But they, when when I when when you are reading these books, they are bringing a being that you that you don't see into being useful to you it's being translated think about think about the book of genesis as translating god from someone you can't see to someone who's useful to you that's that's what the original intent was on how they on how they viewed <clears throat> these uh, and that is why these books are written high on metaphor high on allegory high on because these books had to be related to the individuals that were receiving it. They're a high on metaphor, they're high on allegory, and they are high on, 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 on a lot of other things. And I'm gonna I'm gonna draw from the very first from the very first words in the Bible. Today I'm just gonna read the first three words in the Bible. In the Hebrew Bible, actually, I get to show off my great knowledge today. Yay. No, not really. <laughs> On my Hebrew Bible. Look, the first three words, the first three words in the Hebrew Bible. Remember, we are talking about existing as something functional, something useful. The Bible says in Genesis chapter one, the first word it says is Bereshit. And that means in beginning, Bereshit. The second word in the Bible is Bara which means created. And the third word in the Bible is Elohim, which means deity. It doesn't mean God. It means deity. It means the concept of a deity. All right. It says Bereshit in the beginning, bara created Elohim, God. In beginning, created God. Those are the first three letter, uh, the first three words that we have in the Bible, right? So I want to draw our attention real quick, Corey, to the first, to, to that, to that word bara, not barak, right? <laughs> but that word bara. And that word bara is the word create, to create. It's the verb to create. 
Now, I've been a proponent that if you're a pastor out there, you need to get you something called Hebrew tutor. All right, because you need to learn, you need to understand these words. Okay, I'm not criticizing those pastors as dumb, but there's something called Hebrew tutor out there, and it 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 uh it it sings to you. All right, it sings to you. That's how I remember the uh, the Hebrew alphabet: Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalit, Hey, Vav, and Zayin. Anyway, I'm not gonna say everything, right? But you need to understand how these words are created. For example, that word bara, which means created, has also a totally different understanding than we give the word create. All right, Corey, let me ask you a question. If I tell you, Corey, I need you to create a presentation, right? Okay. So yeah. do you do you create a presentation? How do you do you do you actually bring it into existence? Do, no, you, use do you do you just blow your little magic dust in the air? Oh, whoom, there's the presentation. No? no, how do you how do you, how do you how does Corey Decker create a presentation? I use the tools in front of me, like PowerPoint, and I put together something of a presentation. You organize. Yes. Am I correct? Yes. You organize your thoughts. You organize what's in my head you brainstorm probably you put it in a document and you get it together okay that is what is meant when i tell you corey i need you to create a presentation right now yes. if i tell you corey i need you to create a bicycle how does that create differ from the one in the presentation on that one you're putting it together piece by piece right yeah it's you're putting it build right or if I tell you, hey, Corey, I need you to create uh, to create a memo or I need you to create this. The word to create, that word, bara, that we understand one way, the original audience understood it a different way, friend. They understood it in the sense of, and they understood it in something only God does, okay? Now, there's no, there, there is no, the Hebrews, they did not leave us back a dictionary, okay? We don't, we don't assign random, random meanings to words, right? The meaning of the word is how people use them, right? Just like the word, I don't know, hat, right? Nobody, yeah. nobody in the English language was like, okay, from now on, the word H-A-T is going to mean this thing you get in your head. No, the dictionary was created because of how people were using the word, so how people use the word bara in the Old Testament, that word bara in the Old Testament to create is used 50 times in the Old Testament. Corey, every single time, every single time that word is used in the Old Testament, it refers to a divine activity. It refers to a divine activity. So the Bible does hint at what's happening right now is something divine. Yes. It's something from God. It's something divine. However, however, how this world is, how this word is being used right now is more in the organize, kind of like we create the PowerPoint versus we create the bicycle. You see what I'm saying? In, yeah. in the, the word bara brings functionality into this world that is a mess 
aren't we reminded how many times are we reminded in Genesis that the earth was void and the earth was without shape and everything was chaos we are reminded in the book of Genesis that everything was chaos and God bara organized it he brought it into functionality the world was non-functional and what we are being told right here is that it started taking shape let me give you an example of how this word bara is used in the bible my friend Corey, if one word in the bible is being used a certain time a certain type of way you can take it to the bank that it's being used a certain type of way here as well that is how we interpret scripture this word bara do you remember when king david wrote uh, uh well you don't remember when king david wrote anything because you're young but yeah psalm 51 creating yeah. me a clean heart oh god that is the same create being used in here when god created restore bring functionality back God was uh, David I'm pretty sure was not acting God. Hey God, how about a little magic trick and you give me another heart? Come on, create another heart from scratch and give me a new one. No. David was talking about bara, a clean heart, create, restore, bring order to my heart. Friend, and I I am not saying that God did not create matter from scratch. I am not saying that. I am not saying that God did not create matter from scratch, but What I'm saying is that the Bible doesn't say that God created matter from scratch on that verse when it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That created is not material creation is more of a functional creation bringing order, bringing order to something that is void, to something that has no something that is in unproductive something that is nothing that is how that word is being used right there so Corey, when i see how does this how does this differ from what we have heard in churches because what we have heard is oh that means create that means god did this and there it went there's the world right there that could have happened but guess what yeah. i don't know that but what i do yeah. know is what the bible is saying in genesis 1 in the beginning god created cannot be interpreted as creating out of nothing a lot of people give it that meaning of what what that says is i don't know if you've heard something called creation ex nihilo out of nothing that is something that a lot of theologians suggest that that means that kind of like the creation of I have nothing and here it is kind of like the illusionist from the from the from a magician that's the creation that they think it's happening here but the creation that is happening here in Genesis 1:2 is not a creation of nothing 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 David Copperfield boom it appeared out of nowhere that could have happened I don't know that I can't prove it but what I can prove is that that's not what that verse is saying right there what that verse is saying Genesis 1 says In the beginning, God brought order to the heavens and the earth. That is what that says right there and I can prove it. That is that because that word bara has been used every other place in the Old Testament. 
And I can, if you, if you want, I will give the references at another time, of course, of every single one of the times that the word bara is being used in the Old Testament is being the subject of the verb is God. God is the one doing it. And it's something divine, but it is not something. Never does it speak about, there it is. It speaks about restoration. It speaks about bringing order. Again, I'm not saying that God didn't create matter and atoms and all that. I believe it. I can't prove it. That's just faith. But what I can prove is that in the beginning, God created heavens and earth. What that verse says is not God created out of nothing and it became something. What that particular verse says is God brought order. Does that, do, do, you, do you think, does that kind of make sense? What, what, what? where we're going with this again we're, we're sticking to grammar here i'm sticking to what i know i don't know much science yeah. but i know hermeneutics and hermeneutically the interpretation that most churches give this verse is absolutely incorrect it's 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 no it's no good yeah the same way is with that in the beginning that yeah. in the beginning that in the beginning, every single time it's used in the Bible, that term, that every single time is being used, it's leading on to a period of time, not a specific day in time. So we need to understand that what's going on here, it's not the very actual beginning of everything what is being described here is a specific type of creation a specific action by god of bringing order to everything let me show you one more one more here well let me show you one more verse here the okay. word when the bible says when the bible says that it was void and it was shapeless. The, the, the earth was void and it was shapeless. What it really means, every that, that word uh, voidless and shapeless is the word tohu in the Hebrew. And every single time that word is used in Hebrew, it has nothing to do with being brought into material form. It's being brought into order. Every single time that word occurs. Again, what are the odds? that if every other time is being used to convey one meaning, what are the odds that this time is being used to convey something different? Not very likely. The word tohu, which is the word uh, void and shapeless, and sometimes uh, some of these Bibles uh, translate it differently. The point is every single time is used. Every single time it's used, it talks about restoring order. It does not talk about inventing matter. Corey, I, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was a kid, I thought that these chapters, and obviously you can disagree all you want. I'm just saying this is grammatically what's going on here. And obviously this is not to, to thrash everything we've been taught in churches or anything like that. Yeah. But grammatically, what, what, I, what I see, I mean how these words are used elsewhere and how the words are used here, it makes a lot of sense to think because, Corey, I'm sorry, but 
the world is a lot older than 6,000 years, man. I mean, yeah, you live down there by the Grand Canyon. What is the likelihood of that happening in that little time? You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, uh, according to geology, one third of the Earth's history is exposed in the Grand Canyon, and that's about 1.7 billion years. So, I mean, yeah. how likely is it? Like, like, obviously, these all these thoughts don't exist in a vacuum. They all yeah. have to do with one another. How likely is it? Like, what? Are, I mean, what's more probable? What's more probable that everything we know about science is wrong, or that a metaphor was misinterpreted as literal? Seriously, what happens more often, Corey? What happens more often? And I know that as Christians, sometimes we're like, "Oh my goodness, I cannot stop believing this. I, 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 I cannot stop believing this. This is this is what I believed since I was a little kid." Again, I'm not saying that God didn't create matter. I'm not saying that. I'm, I believe he did, but that's nowhere in the Bible does it say that specifically in, in the verses that say that, that people used to say he did. Yeah. Uh, the verse that, pe that God created heavens and earth have more to do with bringing and restoring order. And it makes sense because the Bible, like right below us, reminds us that the earth was useless it was unproductive it was all it was a huge mess that makes that makes more sense to me than thinking that got started right there come on like we 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 gotta take into consideration what we do know about science 3400 years after these letters were written or yeah. after these books were written so what are the chances Is, yeah. is, is science wrong or is it more likely that some metaphors, some passages that were meant to be metaphors were actually misinterpreted as literal? Yeah. So I and like this, we, we have so much because this goes back to what we were talking about of not understanding the purpose of this. The per whomever wrote this, whomever wrote this didn't want to convince people that that you know carbon dating was the way to go 2000 years later they yeah. weren't writing a science book they were just merely saying who caused all this to happen they're yeah. using a bunch of metaphors they're using a bunch of metaphors to convey the message of look who brought all this into existence into functionality onto who who brought order to all this yeah. so I'm not saying God didn't create matter I'm saying that's not what Genesis 1-1 says and look we've been talking for 35 almost 40 minutes and we've only been talking about three letters about three words in this in this text so yeah. that's why I told you man we're gonna we're gonna have to do complete like we're gonna we're gonna this is gonna extend this is going to extend definitely but well Go ahead, sir. Well, I just let me get this one thing, and then I I think I've got an idea that kind of complements you that might set up the later episodes. Um, in preparation for this, I've read something uh, called a Christian Christian physicist examines the age of the Earth, and one of the things that he mentions is if we believe that God created everything, then we must use more than the Bible to answer this question. Though the Bible is extremely important 
sometimes understanding God re- requires experiencing nature and actually looking at science. And with all this stuff about Genesis 1-1, I'm looking at it with new eyes. And Melvin, you're, you have teaching experience, right? You're, you've yes. been a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the, the uh, strategy called scaffolding? Yes. So I look at Genesis 1 and I wonder, this is just me having an opinion, I wonder if it's scaffolding because Genesis 1-1, they talk about bringing in order. Genesis uh, like 1-3, is, 1-4 is about light. Then he comes in with the waters, then the land, then the vegetation. So I wonder if this is churches like to read genesis 1 1 and say you know like you said david copperfield everything happened at once but i wonder if we should have been looking at this as scaffolding the whole time we 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 definitely need to understand and i think that's a very valid thought that you have because we need to understand that these books and these thoughts don't exist in a vacuum and they are not meant to tell you and on which day was the sun created? Uh, they're not meant to. I cannot tell you that the sun was created on a Wednesday. That is ridiculous. That is like that stuff. That, that I've had people try to tell me. You know, the sun was created on a Wednesday. It was on the fourth day. I was like, really? Like, is that? Come on. Like, we we can't understand metaphors. Really? Come on. Um, but we need to understand that that these these literature this literature. It's not the only one that was being written and it has to be understood in context. And the Bible is not an unbiased book. The Bible will, will make the case for itself that these are the words, this is the, these are the true words. So the purpose of this is to show the purpose of these first three letters, the first three words, Barashit, Bara Elohim, in beginning, created God pretty much in the beginning this is how God started giving you giving the world functionality this is how he started making it useful how he started giving it order and then we start seeing how functionality through the days happened and we're gonna we're gonna pick it up next week obviously because obviously we're not we're not gonna have all the time to 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 to, to finish today, but it's a process how this functionality, how this, uh, how this, uh, how God established the functions and how the writer explains them through metaphor and through how we can, how we can know what is really talking about and what's really referencing there. So if you haven't gotten anything out of this, if, 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 if I shocked you with, oh my goodness, this heretic, this heathen is teaching something different than my pastor said, because my pastor said that God created, uh, the, that God created this, this earth, just how it is right now. Well, again, I'm not saying he didn't, but what I'm saying is that that's not what it says in Genesis one, two, you see, that's what it says is. God brought order, my friend, and God is a God of order. He's a God of logic. He's a God of, uh, of, of functionality. He's a God of functionality. So to kind of put a bow on it, Corey, before, and this is just the beginning. We haven't even dove into the pool yet. 
we're just looking at the pool right now. Next week, we're going to take a little jump. Or next time, we're going to be taking a little jump and see how deep the water really is. <laughs> Because we're just looking at the pool right now. And from the first three, three words of the Bible, we found out that God is giving purpose and it's giving functionality to this earth. And that the Bible is not telling us that God in those verses is not telling us that God did the David Copperfield trick. It's about functionality and it's about existence, which they saw as a function, not as material. So my friend, I know this, uh, this is a, this is, this is some, some heavy stuff, my man. Uh, give me some, give me some thoughts. Give me some thoughts. No, I just, honestly, I just can't wait for the rest of the series because I am not, I, I, I've never really given a whole lot of thought to creationism. I'm more of the, you know, my master's is in leadership. I, I like the later parts with the, with the life application stuff, but, um, I do think it's important to at least end with uh, like your credentials. That way people know that we're not tinfoil hat people with the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't just open a Bible and uh, started started <laughs> blurbing stuff. Um, for those of you that did not uh, catch our first episode, I had uh, been working in the ministry since 2001. Um, I interrupted, you know, uh, But overall, since about 2001, I do have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in theology. Um, and I also have um, working on my second master's degree in data analytics and business. So it comes in useful when I look at data, right? When I look at data and I look how it, how it matches and how it, it's interpreted, Like, listen, what are the odds that 49 out of 50 times Barai is being used to restore order? What are the odds that in this time is being used to just create David Copperfield stuff? I mean, come on. <laughs> so um, I uh, like I said, I did not want to get into the science part because I am not yeah. a scientist. I can just Same. quote what scientists say. But what I am is a theologian and I can see how these verses being taken literal have caused a lot of confusion and have caused Christians to be afraid of science. Like I, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of Christians out there that are literally afraid to pay attention to what a science class says, because they might think, Oh my God, they're going to make me stop believing in God right here. <laughs> no, it shows you how complex the world is. Like, have you seen any of these, these shows on on national geographic i like the one that will smith narrates one big rock because yeah. it shows how one little bird doing this in one continent affects the air that this other animal gets here all in sync all in order so yeah. my friend out there that's that's listening to me okay your beliefs have to be reevaluated They, they have to. You cannot just, this is the year 2022. You cannot walk around thinking that God created the earth in seven days, seven 24-hour days. You cannot be thinking that this world is only 6,000 years old. You cannot be thinking that men and dinosaurs walk together, kind of like in the Creation Museum in Kentucky. Uh, that is not science. 
I encourage you to study some biology, to read some chemistry, to read some physics, and you can see how the science is all about order and being organized and how, Corey, just Google how your kidneys work and you'll be like, wow. Like, yeah. Google how your kidneys work. Google how your hypothalamus works. Google how your how your no. hippocampus works and all that. And you're like, wow. No, I I know I'll probably watch that uh, Will Smith National Geographic. You know, get slapped with some information with that with him narrating. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get slapped over there. Okay? Put your get your get your Bible away from my show. You know, but listen to to kind of put a bow on it here, my friends. Um, we need to educate ourselves because a lot of what the Christian world says about science is very laughable. It, it's 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 very um, it's very uh, it shows that we need to seriously start thinking about our cosmology and our belief on what the Bible actually says. Don't add to it. Don't 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 just look look. I've been talking for forty five minutes. And that was just three words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. So there's stuff there to talk about. You don't need to add to it. You don't need to add to and say, oh, my goodness, this is what God was saying here. No, just look at a word, do a literary analysis, talk to your pastor. If your pastor says, I don't know how to parse the verb, then run away. Because I'm, I'm, I'm serious. If your pastor cannot parse a Hebrew or a Greek verb, and that just means show you the root of the word and how that verb is used i suggest that you take up an offering and send your pastor to uh to seminary or buy him some hebrew or greek tutor because pastors need to know these things and you know bible teachers need to know these things um so Corey, any last thoughts before we adjourn my friend uh no no not really hey <laughs> I know, I know, uh, I know uh, we, we have some people that always ask about us. Uh, we have some friends that uh, always ask about uh, when we're going to be in, when we're going to. Uh, so we, we really want to thank those of you who uh, put up with us, put up with our craziness. Um, sometimes, you know, this episode, you're probably not going to want to admit that you uh, <laughs> that you that you listen to it. But and, and I want to recommend some books. I want to I want to end with a book recommendation. Uh, my first uh, book recommendation on this topic is called The Lost World of Genesis 1 by John H. Walton. It's called The Lost World of Genesis 1 by John H. Walton. Um, he does a really good job of explaining some of these. And again, he comes at it from a grammatical because he's a theologian comes at it from a grammatical standpoint on on what it actually says there does it match up with our beliefs and the second book is written by the same person uh again john walton it's called uh, the lost world of adam and eve because now we, then later we're going to start talking about genesis 2 what's going on here what story is being told here is it adam and eve is it adam and steve is it what story is being told here? Does it apply to me? Does it, is this the story of a particular group of people? Or is it the story that has to do with me? So, but these books are really good. They're written from a Christian perspective and they explain some of these concepts of 
of verbs on how how it's written and everything that the layperson is it's very easy reading i would say is it's about 10th grade level reading which you know given some of the facebook statuses i've seen might be too much for some people but hey i can't i can't i can't fault that but again i'm not a scientist i i read what the bible says and i believe what science tells me um but i do believe in a creator i do believe in and and what i do know is that i know very little so Corey, uh, i really enjoyed our discussion my man uh yeah i enjoyed uh i enjoyed exposing these thoughts any any final words any plugins that you want to uh, that you want to say uh for some of our friends yeah i think uh i think if you're a baseball fan uh Melvin and I in back-to-back episodes were just on an, uh, a podcast called The Round Trippers with yes. Austin Spiro with Felipe Melicio. Yep. Melicio. He's going Melesio. to kill me if Melesio. I get that wrong. Felipe Melicio. Yeah. <laughs> but if you get the chance, look up The Round Trippers podcast. We talk a little bit about fantasy football. I get, uh, I get bleeped, I think. Well, I might get bleeped. <laughs> Watch with discretion. <laughs> hey um yeah we, we we do enjoy our little uh our little interactions in those uh in those life groups and those ba- and the baseball groups a lot of our audience comes from those groups uh yeah. and we thank them for for their support because a lot of them just listen because it's us and they want us to have the little numbers and that's okay thank you for your support and uh thank you for those of you who have uh, bro- uh have been asking about when we were going to come back and everything um yeah. for uh for for next time I really hope it's not as much time because then we're going to start talking about what does Genesis 2 say because we can't stop in Genesis 1. We got to keep reading. So, Corey, my friend, let's not be afraid of science. That's my my last word today. We got to embrace it. We got to we got to we got to reevaluate the things we've been taught about creationism because then I tell you that God created the world had a different meaning at the end of the podcast than it did at the beginning. Uh, yeah. we, and according to what, to what I just read, I, I understand creation a little better now than I did before I started. So my friend, Corey, I really hope you have a great night, my man. And uh, hope the good Lord blesses you and creates a great life for you and brings order to, to, on a great life to you because that's a that's Same a good uh, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good use of that verb so hopefully god creates good things for me in my life and brings them all into order so yeah um for uh my friend Corey decker this is melvin lopez and this has been the heathens podcast thank you so much for listening and have a blessed night my friend